For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. This is falling apart. Arkansas scored 42 in the second half, same as in the first half. But Vanderbilt with 63 points. And the clock strikes zero. Wright dribbles it out. Vanderbilt has won this ballgame in convincing fashion. They outscored the Razorbacks 63 to 42 in the second half. They win the ballgame 97 to 84. Hey, welcome into a Hot Take Monday edition of the Morning Rush. You heard Chuck's call from Saturday in Nashville as Arkansas falls to Vanderbilt. In the second half, I don't think anyone could predict. You had a lot of momentum after the technical fouls, everything that went down there, and then Vanderbilt just shot the lights out in the second half. Defensively, has really been your calling card for most of this season, but it was not on Saturday. I know that was disappointing for Eric Musselman, this team, and for you all as well, and that's where we'll start this morning. Hot Take Monday as always brought to you by Wheels RV, five miles west of Exit 72 off of I-49 in Springdale, the top brands at the best prices. We're talking Grand Design, Forest River, KZ, Heartland, Keystone Alliance. Those are the names you know when it comes to an RV. At the prices you want and a lifetime warranty on every new RV they sell. It's all at Wheels RV, again, five miles west of exit 72 off of I-49 in Springdale. Zach brings up already that he's he's ready for some weighted vest practices as they did that. I think the last two years, bricks and some other things were used. And uh, he feels like the jawing that they did against Vanderbilt came back to bite him in the second half. And uh, I can't say that I disagree with him. Um, well, we can get into to that, but certainly... Anthony Black's performance did not live up to all the talking. We'll we'll just we'll start there and, and we can go from there. But uh, disappointing to have a leader. Then you know you you fought back. You were down ten or more at times. Then you came back and you were within six with two minutes to play, and you just couldn't put the possessions together on both ends of the floor to to extend the game or to win the game. But you were never really out of the game either. So, but it, it never really felt like you were going to threaten to win from about the 10-minute mark on, but uh, you just kind of menaced and, and hung around and was hoping you could find that shot or two late that you needed to uh, 
to maybe extend the game to overtime or have a shot to win it at the end. Anthony Black had a superb first half, but really did not show up as much in the second half with only three points. Again, if you're going to talk the talk, you're gonna, you gonna you got to walk the walk. Even as a true freshman, he's got a lot of things to learn. And I think on Saturday, when you play a team in the Southeastern Conference, especially in their house, nothing's free. And Arkansas, I don't know if just expected Vanderbilt to wilt in the second half, but they did anything but that. Now give the Commodores and Jerry Stackhouse credit because they fought back and they did so valiantly. They hit an insane shooting percentage, 69% in the second half, which is just gross if you're Eric Musselman based on the way that you preach and practice defense. But that was the story of the game on Saturday. And Liam Robbins, Liam Robbins who came uh, off the bench for them, was just... Uh, well, his, he had 14 points. That doesn't lead the way. He was a big factor in this ball game. Um, Arkansas didn't have a lot of answers for him at times in the second half, it didn't mm -hmm. feel like. Nope. He had, a uh, again, 14 points in only 15 minutes in the second half, so he was outstanding. And Arkansas got hurt from the outside. They got hurt from the inside. He had quite an impact that uh, opposing big men were just not able to curtail him to a certain point. But it wasn't just him. It was the guard. Several Vandy guys continuously hit a barrage of threes on Arkansas. I know uh, one of them was Eric Musselman was talking about not to go left. I'm forgetting which guy he was speaking to. But they continuously let him get to his strong hand, and he carved up Arkansas as a lot of other guys did in that second half. Yeah, so uh, that was about as wild a first 20 minutes. And I guess really, let's see, from – Trying to think of the, the first set of technicals and all of that happened earlier in the half. Then they had another scrum, if you will, with about a minute to go. Mm -hmm. Was that about 11 minutes or something like that when that first uh, problem happened with Black getting pushed and all of that? That was a wild first half. You had all of those technicals and, and Stackhouse gets stuck. Then you have a trainer or a team manager or whoever faints on the sideline and has to be carted off on a gurney. I mean... That half had basically everything you'd ever imagine could be stuffed in there. Mm -hmm. And they are, Arkansas was the benefit, the recipient of those calls. You should have been stuck at least once, if not twice. Anthony Black started fake crying to the opposing yeah. team and the fans, and he should have been stuck for that and wasn't. So Arkansas really, again, was the beneficiary of maybe some calls that went their way, which rarely happens on the road, and it did. You got that luxury. You didn't take advantage of it, though. Ricky only hit four, six free throws, and then in the second half, you didn't shoot a a poor percentage. I think you finished with 42 in both halves. You just didn't defend a lick in the second half. Yeah. Um, talk about shooting from the floor or the, shooting from the floor and 49% for the ball game. But if you'd have told me, bro, that, hey, 84 points, you're going to have 84. No, they scored 42 both halves. It's like. So I thought you were talking about percentage. Mm -hmm. um, but if, I, if you'd have told me 84 points, if you knew that information, that, that one nugget, hey, I'm going to give you one thing off the box score. Arkansas has 84 points in the ball game. I'd have lost a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, I'd have lost. I don't know if I'd have lost it all, but I'd have mm -hmm. lost a chunk. It, it would have been uh, you'd have unwound the rubber band on that number. Yeah, it was. was you take that nine times out of ten, they shoot 49 percent. Probably one of their best offensive performances overall in the SEC. But I, I will say this: I, I was not aware of this until I looked it up. Vanderbilt does have the number one offense in conference play. From an efficiency standpoint, they're dreadful at defense. And really, again, they gave up 84 points at home. It's not like they played great defense. Arkansas got what they wanted at times. But when you're giving up three after three after three, a lot of those twos that you're making, 
They just didn't amount to it. They did hit 7 of 18 from 3. Yeah. It's not like they shot the ball poorly from 3. Anthony had a couple. I think Ricky had a couple. So it's not like they were just horrid from the long range. But again, this is supposed to be a defensive-minded team. And when you give up 97 points... There's not many college basketball games you're going to win well, that way on the road. You only gave up 34 in the first half. 63 second half points. Six of those 10 threes that Vanderbilt hit were in the second half. Where Vandy, you talk about red hot shooting, six of nine. But more, more than that, 21 of 23 at the free throw line in the second half. Arkansas in the second half saw the line 10 times, made seven. So, I mean, there's there's the difference in your ball game right there. Yeah, they... Got to the line a lot more than you did. They were the more aggressive team in the second half. You're still having those 0 for 2 free throw run-ins where you'll get to the line, have two free throws attempts after getting fouled, or it'll be a um, a double bonus situation. You're still going 0 for 2, which is just mind-blowing to me that you still have some of those possessions. Well, but that's, at four, Arkansas had 14 attempts in the first half, and I think seven of them came on that technical sequence where you had... Yeah, you know, seven attempts all at once. Mm-hmm. Black had one, and then Council shot six more. Yeah, four, that four-six sequence. Yeah, that was frustrating. And even like in that situation, like Kamani Johnson picks up a tag. He runs over a Vanderbilt guy, and then they get into it a little bit. Now, there was a sequence right before where it looked like he got hit, and there was a no call on that. But that's supposed to be the leader, one of the leaders of your team. It's supposed to be the guy that you look to for guidance. And for Kamani to have an outburst, you could tell he was frustrated with himself following that little spat in the second half because that's something that's not typical of him really for the most part. He's usually the one holding guys back and doing things. You just lost your composure on Saturday. That's plain and simple how it went. Tell you this, Anthony Black better be an angel moving forward because he's going to be on everyone's radar screen, uh, including the guys in the stripes with the way he behaved uh, at times uh, in Nashville. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Chuck, good morning. Um, Was that about as wild a first 20 minutes of basketball as you've seen as the voice of the Razorbacks, I mean, that was that half had everything in it. Yeah, it really did. In fact, uh, you know, about, oh, I don't know, at the seven-minute mark, the under-eight timeout, right before all that happened, I made the comment to Z during a break because this is what we do. I looked at my watch and said, man, quick first half. Oh, you we're, chased it. <laughs> we're going to be out of here fast. Oh, we're going to no. be home by 6 o'clock. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, it just didn't happen that way. Uh-huh. Then it all broke loose during uh, during the next segment. So it's your fault, then. It's so. my fault. It was the broadcaster's jinx well, is what it was, yeah. That often, you know, as, as an official, you go in the locker room, you never say, boy, that's a quick first half. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're, we're going to be home in a decent hour. Yeah, no, <laughs> it just didn't work that way. So, I mean, not only did you have all the technicals, but then – a team manager, someone with the team, yeah, fainted, fainted on the sideline. That was right, right by us, and um, yeah, he was okay. By the way, everything turned out all right there. But, but yeah, it was just a—I mean, you had everything. Yeah. Has uh, Anthony Black, at least outside of our borders, guys, painted himself as the 
as the conference villain. Who was that guy from uh, from Ole Miss a few years Marshall ago? Henderson. Marshall Henderson. Is he, is he the Marshall Henderson? Is that what he turned into Saturday with the rest of the league? Well, I mean, you know, it's certainly he was a marked man in Vanderbilt. Um, yeah, I, I just thought Arkansas's youth and immaturity showed, and I just don't really know how else to put it. I, I just thought not just – you know, in some of the, the the incidents that I know we 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 always talk about after games, but I thought in the second half um, their youth and immaturity showed just in the way they played. And look, this is a good team, good players, good coaching staff, but Saturday was a really bad day. And uh, when you give up sixty three points in the second half, you've had a really bad day. And so, you know, that's just kind of where they are right now. And you could. Well, I thought in the second half, you know, after all that happened in the first half, you know, when I saw Liam Robbins throw Anthony Black to the floor on a rebound, and, I mean, no whistle, I mean, they looked away like nothing happened. I thought, man, we're not going to get a call the second half. I I mean, Black's not going to get a call the second half. That part didn't really matter at the end, but Arkansas was on their heels for the last 17 minutes of the game, and, you know, Vanderbilt just blew them out at the end. Yeah, you mentioned that. I, uh, right after those free throws, Ricky Council got pushed in the back while he was shot right in front of Doug Shells. Just didn't – you knew he wasn't going to get that no, call. there was and, not going to be a call go Arkansas's way the rest of no, the day and, after all that. And then Mikel Mitchell looked like he got – it was incidental, but he got hit in the face and they just they – Oh, didn't they play. let Vanderbilt make up for everything yeah. in the final 17 minutes. And I'm not but, saying that's why they won. And I've seen this happen before, and I wasn't surprised by that, frankly. But, um, no, uh, Vanderbilt got everything after oh, that. I, I thought just just watching Shouse and KB and Jason Baker work that uh, they were frustrated with, with what they were having to deal with. That That's not what they had signed up for, and that's what oh. they were having to, to, to deal with. And you had, a, you had a strong crew chief on that game. That if you were going to have you-know-what go down in this game, that was the guy to handle it because uh, he knows he's been in those situations. He knew exactly how to deal with the coaches. Now, I will say one thing, and I, I, I agree with you. I think Doug Shouse is a good ref. I thought when he threw Magnone out, when he was willed, very demonstrative about it, if you watch the replay, the way he did it, he couldn't see what was going on. He was throwing the guy out. He turned his back to it. He looked like a baseball umpire throwing him out. But in that three- or four-second span, his back was to what was going on. And he couldn't see what was going on. I thought he was too demonstrative in the way he threw Mannion out. And as a result, I thought he missed some of what was going on inside in the aftermath. Well, he had two partners that were right in the middle of the other that. things. But I agree with that. The one thing I'll say, Mannion and Devo had gotten tangled up there. We don't know what was being said. And I'm sure it wasn't an invite to, to there Sunday was a school. Lot. There was there not, was it a was lot. not an invite to Sunday school the next morning, whatever was being jawed. But my guess is it was going both directions. What we don't know is exactly what was said in that moment or what threats were made. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on. I mean, it was a um, – look, those are not um, – It's not easy. Not, yeah, it, it's not an easy deal to sort all that out. But, you know, Arkansas extended their lead to 10 with like, what, 1702, 17-10, mm-hmm. something like that to go. So it's not like Vanderbilt just came right out and the first thing they did was, you know, carve the eight-point lead to two. Now, they did it pretty quickly after it got to 10. But um, – you know, it, it was just a, as I say, it was a bad half. I thought their 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 youth really showed, and um, you know Vanderbilt. I mean, they did what they did. We all saw it. Sixty nine percent in the second half is what Vanderbilt shot. Now, Chuck, you just referred to the maybe Arkansas's youth showing some immaturity, 
But I, I think what Arkansas fans were frustrated with is like Kamani Johnson, who is considered a leader on this basketball team and who in times this season, I've seen him pull guys back and talk to them about that. He has that play where he just runs over the Vanderbilt guy and then gets a, a technical fall in that. That was what I was disappointed in. Well, now, now, don't misunderstand me. When I say immaturity, I'm not talking just about those incidents. I'm not saying that. That's part of it. But I, I thought the way they played and the way they did not react to what Vanderbilt was doing in the second half, the way they didn't, you know, punch him back, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, Arkansas's most aggressive moment, quite frankly, was at about the seven-minute mark of the, se- or the first half when all that stuff went down. That was really their last, you know, really what I would call aggressive period in the ball game. I thought they were on their heels the entire second half. Now, why? I don't know. But I thought they were just on their heels the entire second half. Vanderbilt was the aggressor in every way. And, you know, I know what the scouting report said about Tyron Lawrence, and it was don't let him go left. And all you got to do is go back and watch that second half. All he did was go left. I mean, that's all he did. He just, uh, you know, he just went to the basket over and over and over again. And um, I know they were coached not to do that. I know they were. But, um, you know, sometimes it – <laughs> it doesn't work out that way, even when you say it. Here's what Musk said about the second half. thought we didn't defend the three. I thought number zero, Lawrence dominated us off the dribble. The scouting report was no dribble drives to left, and he continually went left and blew by us. You know, taking away the three was what we discussed the last three days, and they made ten threes. Rebounding the ball was 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 extremely important. We did not rebound the ball defensively like we felt we should. Just a, a poor second half. So is that on the players just for not executing? I know people always want to blame the coaching staff and particularly the head coach, but I mean... It's on everybody. It's on everybody. Everybody on the plane. It's on everybody. That's how it works. I mean, uh, when you give up 63 in the second half, you uh, there's not going to be one person. You know, I mean, all that speaks for itself. I mean, when you give up 63 in the second half, I mean... Speaks for itself. I mean, it's a it's it's a failure on everybody's part. And I think they'd all say that. I think Hodstot said that's the most points you've given up at half since what ninety six or something. It's yeah, been... Auburn, uh, Auburn. Uh, you know, the most they've ever given up seventy one. I think Auburn scored sixty four back then, if I'm not mistaken. None of that's good. <laughs> None of those three games. Well, you just happened. don't think of Vanderbilt no. scoring no, no. sixty three and a half. I well, mean, let's just be frank. You just don't think about that. And despite all of that. With two minutes to go, you're down six. And things didn't go your way in the last two minutes. I mean, you didn't make the shots. But you still had a chance with two minutes to go. And your opponent scored 63. And you were still at least in the ball game. You know, you know, if it was a boxing well, match. Score-wise, score wise, you were still in it. Yeah. You're right. And, I mean, and, but it would have taken a – I mean, it would have taken a – you know, the – it would have taken a full-blown miracle. So they started Ricky, Devo, Anthony Black, and the two Mitchells. They went they went big again. Coach talked about after the game that when they had gone big, they haven't defended the three as well. He shifted to more of a guard-oriented and forward-oriented lineup in the second half, but still, it just it didn't matter. Like I don't think we're going to see that again. I don't. I don't. I don't think we're going to see uh, the Mitchells starting again. 
I'm curious to who he starts on Wednesday night. He was talking about after the game, just kind of the adjustments they need to make. But uh, I don't know it's more important who finishes the game that starts, but I think we'll see another unique starting lineup on Wednesday night in Columbia. Well, I, I, you know, when you say unique, I, I don't know how many options there are there. I, I mean, you know, it's 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 not like you've 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 got ten, twelve guys there that you can just reach down there and pluck another one in. I, I mean, you know, I think the most you know the most logical assumption would be you take one of the Mitchells out and you put Walsh back in. I mean, I think that'd be the most logical assumption. Um, I I don't I don't know that there's any far fetched you know magic wand solution here. Yeah. Um, I I don't I don't know that you're gonna you know brain trust your way out of this. To be very frank about it, let's talk about Jordan Walsh for a sec, Chuck. He had a stretch where he's playing really well, and then conference started and hasn't been going his way. Just he's prone to fouls, and he picked up his third in the in the first half. Uh, he's a good defender, but it sure seems like he's he's getting called for a lot a lot of whistles because he's handsy at times. Well, again, I'll go back to what I said a little bit earlier. I thought their youth showed, and I think you know, I don't think it's the first time it's 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 shown. I think Walsh got, Walsh is a young player who's trying to figure it all out, and um, there are days when he looks like he has, and days when he looks like he hasn't. And you know, I'm not going to pin anything on him Saturday. I'm not going to pick on Jordan Walsh. I mean, it wasn't you know, it was it was all the guys and everybody, and um, so you know, they got to get production out of a lot of folks. Chris texting and he feels like the basketball and football seasons are comparable in the fact that they've had some injuries and they had higher expectations and both teams haven't necessarily lived up. Now, I know the season's not over for basketball, but do you guys see some similarities with how the football season went, now the basketball season has gone to this point? I don't compare the two. I, I mean, I understand what he's saying. I, I haven't really thought of it in that, uh, you know, in that respect, but I understand why he would say that. Well, we had much higher expectations of this basketball season than we, we had baseball like expectations mm-hmm. of this basketball team and i don't know anything in like i mean we got you know 20 some odd people uh, that work in our organization you take the best two or three out of it and do you get better no i mean anything that has 12 or 15 people involved in your primary rotation of anything business sports your, your 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 Sunday school class, whatever it is, you take the best two, the strongest two out, it doesn't get better, and and that's just where this is at, and there are no replacements right now. So, um, I'd like to think this thing's going to turn around at some point, but I think we need to come to the realization that's not a likely a likely outcome. Well, for this team to win, they're going to have to do some of the things that, frankly, they did not do Saturday. Uh, this may not be, a, you know, I, and I know they scored 84 points Saturday, but this team's got to, uh, they got to make free throws. They got to mm-hmm. keep the other team off the line. Uh, they've got to be really gritty defensively. They got to get every rebound. They got to te- keep the other team off the offensive glass. They got to limit second chance points. They can't turn it over. When they get turnovers, they got to score off of them. Um, you know, that's that, you know, when you start talking about all those things, when you've got a young team, that's not a great offensive team, you can't just do three of those five and win. You got to do all five. You got to be good in every single area when you're not a great offensive team. And if it, if, if, if this team doesn't play defense, they have no prayer. There's no chance that they can win if they don't play defense and rebound. And, you know, you look at what happened. Arkansas rebounded the ball well in the first half. They did not in the second half. 
I didn't have much to rebound as far as Vanderbilt's concerned. There wasn't a whole lot of defensive rebounds to get. But um, they got to do all those things to have a chance to win, whether they play at home or on the road. You know, the hell of it for me is the fact that you made seven three-point baskets, which is out of character for this team, right? I mean, Council and Black were the guys making, I think they made five of the seven. You hate to waste one of your good three shooting performances in a loss. I mean, you're just going to be streaky. You're going to have days where you do make seven. But those should be the games you absolutely win. And, and here you come away with seven three-point baskets, Chuck, in a loss. And that's disappointing because, um, you know, there's going to be a day you're going to need those and they're not going to go in. Well, I just thought Vanderbilt was so anxious to get the ball back because they knew they were going to score. Uh, I mean, it just turned into that freewheeling type game mm-hmm. at the end. And, uh, you know, again, Arkansas scored 42 points. That's, you know, you know that's a good half. But, um, you know, when you give up 63, doesn't really matter. Hey, uh, I know it's a new year, and obviously, if you are perhaps thinking about selling and buying a home, that means things might have changed in the previous year. Maybe your family got bigger, you need a bigger home. Maybe the kids are out, and you're going to downsize. Whatever your real estate situation is, I want to recommend Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, to you. And I recommend it because of my experience. I partnered with them to sell a home, partnered with them to buy a home. I didn't know what I was doing. They did. And that's what made it work because I, I partnered up with a real estate team that's made up of professionals, made up of well-trained people. They understood what I did not understand. They knew how to negotiate. They knew how to get from contract to close and put this thing to bed because that's what you want, whether you're a buyer or a seller. Now, they've got an office in Fayetteville. They're in Springdale and Bentonville. They're in Fort Smith. And they're in Branson, Missouri now. Uh, you're going to see their yellow signs all over town. And, again, you can log on to WeikertGriffin.com. Arkansas got some good news over the weekend as Tyrone Broden has committed to the Razorback. He's 6'7", wide receiver from Bowling Green, had over 500 yards and seven receiving touchdowns this past year, I think, for the Falcons. I think that's their team. So Kenny Guyton's done a good job with, uh, I think, three transfer recruits. Chuck, right now they have the fifth-highest transfer portal rankings on all three sports they're not done we know they've got a couple more days this cycle and then when the next cycle after spring rolls around they'll bring in some more players then what have you thought about just their overall haul to this point well we're gonna have to see when they play but it certainly looks as though you know they've 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 signed some good players in areas where they need good players um you know Rankings of the transfer portal class are, you know, kind of like rankings of high school kids. I mean, um, you know, some sometimes it's right there and sometimes it's not. Sometimes when you get into transfer kids, it's not just about ability. It's not just about ability. Uh, there's 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 more to it than that. Um, you know, uh, I think about Jordan Dominic and I, 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 you know, Georgia Tech, Arkansas, Colorado. Um, after playing well at Arkansas. The transfer portal is really unpredictable. Who gets in, who goes in, who ends up where, really unpredictable. I mean, it's great that, you're, you know, that your portal class is highly thought of. That's great. Um, but, you know, you got to get them in here, and, you know, they got to – you know, they got to perform. Hey, he joins Miles Slusher in Boulder. You've also got Marcus Henderson kind of going back home. He'll join Simeon Blair in Memphis. Those were kind of some moves over the weekend. Speaking of moves, so Lincoln Riley's brother, Garrett, was the TCU offensive coordinator for Max Duggan this past season. He is now going to be the OC Clemson. 
There's an opening right now for TCU. Kendall Bryles has been linked to that job. I don't know if there's any traction or not. He's always going to get linked to certain jobs. But, Tommy, what did you make of just kind of that happening this potentially this week? You never know which reports have more validity than others, but it said that they'd closed in on him and they were, you know, that that he was the target. He was the bullseye of the target of their search. So, um, I mean, Texas is home. Anytime he's linked to a job in Texas, Chuck, I get a little more nervous or apprehensive about his departure just simply because that's that's home base for him and TCU's obviously a program that you know was was at the, at the mountaintop this year so this one would make me nervous if there's a lot of validity to the reports yeah I don't I don't know if there is or not I mean I was with basketball all weekend and I'm just kind of like you guys I'm I'm just reading this and and I don't really know any more about it than what I read you're right he's he's from Texas and you're right TCU's got it rolling right now but other than that that's really all I know about it. And, you know, <laughs> I will say, it, you know, offensive and defensive coordinators move around a good bit. And, you know, every every fan base <laughs> gripes about their offensive and defensive coordinators. And then at the end of the year, somebody else tries to hire them. So, uh, I mean, obviously he's highly thought of in football circles. And But 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 what the situation is there, I, I just don't know. It just feels like you're on the backside of the, the coaching change cycle that if – if you're forced to hire someone now, if you're in Sam Pittman's shoes, you're you know a lot of moves have already been made, a lot of things are settled. No Fe- doubt, feels like you're on the backside of that change cycle right now. That would not be to your advantage if you're the head coach. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, I, I just I just don't know how this is going to play out. I mean, I do know that most every coach out there, head coach, tries to be two steps ahead of the game in terms of you know who might go and what you do if they did. So I'm certain that, I mean, it's not the first time Kendall Bryles has been, if he is being pursued, it's not the first time he's been pursued. So I'm sure that, you know, they've had thoughts before about, you know, what do we do if he goes? So, you know, I would not anticipate, let's say he does go, I wouldn't anticipate it being forever before they name another yeah. coordinator. In other words, I think, you know, this is something you prepare for. Hope he doesn't go. And, and you know, again, I, I just I just don't know if there's – you know, I, I don't I don't know what there is to this or not. I I'm I'm sure he's on a wish list, yeah. But just because you've been mentioned on somebody's website doesn't mean you're really in the game. Yeah, and you know, not that a tweet's a binding contract, but you got the tweet that with the run it back and him and KJ and I don't you know that doesn't lock you into anything, but it it certainly was your declaration at least at that moment. So so is the TCU job more attractive than Arkansas? I don't, I don't know if Duggan's back next year or not. I, I think well, he declared for the draft, so he's gone after that. I know Chandler Morris is actually their backup right now. That's the supposed. Uh, no, uh, I don't think it is. Just to answer your question, no. Nope. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't believe it's a better job than Arkansas's. Is it a very good job? Yes, but Arkansas's job is a very good job too. Yep. Here, here's the only thing I agree with everything Chuck said, but Texas may be more of the draw. Home may be more of the draw. That home state may be more of the draw than than anything with him might be i mean i just i know, can't speak for him i'm just saying how a lot you of, know it's interesting it. it's interesting i mean we don't really know kendall bryles as a fan base very well um you know and this is kind of the norm now around college football head coaches shield their coordinators they don't make them talk to the media you know petrino's the last guy we've had that really made the coordinators talk to the media i mean he made them he didn't want to. Um, I mean, it's, you know, that that was part of the deal. He's like, if I'm going to the firing line, you are too. And that was kind of how he operated. But that's the last time that 
if I'm not mistaken, the coordinators have regularly, um, you know, been a been a face of the program, so to speak. So, you know, we don't really know our coordinators from a from a personal way, the way we might feel like we do Sam Pittman. Yeah, Fire I just life. know, I just know Kendall Bryles. He has just confirming this in the media. He's got three kids. He's a he's a young guy. I know this. When you've got three at that age that are still kids. Um, being closer to grandma and grandpa and home base and having some help, particularly when you're gone a lot, you know, that, that that's a conversation that at least has to probably come up. So. Well, maybe. I mean, uh, you know, they run in a different tax bracket than we do, and a lot of the things that are difficult for us aren't as difficult for people that are in that tax bracket. So, um, you know, this, I, as I say, I mean, we're all just, you know, I mean, I feel like I'm just talking out of the side of my mouth. I have no idea whether or not he's going to go or not. It's football playoff and bowl season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. With 64-inch TVs everywhere, cold beer, delicious burgers, and you-know wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch all the playoff and bowl games. So bring the gang and join us this playoff and bowl season at our Conway, Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, and Fort Smith locations. Buffalo Wild Wings, your home for the big games. Roar! Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. So is the jury out that you can rattle this young team? Has that been now showcased multiple times that SEC opponents are going to try and rattle them and talk and chirp and get them off their game? Because that's what happened on Saturday, it looked like. Well, I don't know that, you know, Vanderbilt chirped Arkansas out of their game. I, I saw in the second half, Vanderbilt just, you know, they did anything they wanted to do. Arkansas didn't play much defense. Um, you know, there weren't a lot of rebounds to get because Vanderbilt seemingly made every shot. I mean, I'm no math major, but 63 points, 20 minutes, that's over three a minute. That's hard to combat. I mean, that is hard to combat. And um, Vanderbilt... For the final 17 minutes of the game, they just did everything they wanted to do, and Arkansas looked helpless. Yeah. Made 21 of those 63 at the free throw line. That's what Arkansas needs to do in a game is go 21 of 20-something, and Vanderbilt did that in a half. The killer also was 6 of 9, Chuck, behind the three-point line. That's hard to overcome. Yeah, and I mean, you know, they hit threes. They drove to the rim. I mean, it seemed like every time Lawrence got the ball, he was going to the rim. And they got some kickouts, and they, uh, you know, they just, again, they did whatever they wanted to do in the second half. Arkansas, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, going into halftime, I, you know, like everybody else, I mean, I felt good about it. If you'd said Vanderbilt's going to score 63 points in the second half, I mean, we'd all laugh. Yeah. But that's what happened. I don't know how many half-court possessions they have, but I'm sure someone's counting those back at uh, the practice facility and how many of those they score on. You know, we look at a football game, and there's you know, usually 13 or 14 possessions for a football team, and you can break those out by half. I don't know how many half-court possessions they had, 
but seemingly they scored on nearly all of them, Chuck. Yeah, I mean, they just, uh, you know, I mean, they shot, what, 60-something percent 60, in the second nearly half? nearly 70%, yeah. And for a lot of the half, it was over 70%. Um, I can remember looking down at one point, it was, you know, we were well into the second half, and it was like 74%, I think, in the second half. They just, um, you know, they didn't miss. And I, I didn't think that, you know, I, I didn't think Arkansas put, you hesitate to say they didn't put up a fight because you're not out there. But, you know, they didn't punch back. They didn't combat what Vanderbilt was doing. And, you know, Musk talked after the game about competitiveness. And, you know, I thought as the game wore on in the second half, uh, you know, Arkansas was playing, but sometimes you're just playing to play. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're just playing to play. And I thought there were points in the second half where when it got out of hand, um, I just don't think Arkansas was combating you know, competing hard enough to combat what Vanderbilt was doing. So, God, what do you think that you know the, the the last scrum and technicals and all that that happened with forty three seconds, fifty, whatever it was, is a minute to go, just inside a minute. I mean, it seemed like they'd kind of gotten through working through that stuff that happened with seven, eight minutes to go. What do you think that did to change the dynamic or the mindset or the halftime conversations in both locker rooms? I don't think it affected Arkansas at all. I'm sure it affected Vanderbilt. I mean, I don't know what was said in there, but I know Stackhouse was mad, and they, uh, you know, their crowd was mad. And, but again, in, in, you know, Arkansas increased their lead. I mean, they went from 8 to 10 inside the first three minutes of the second half. So it wasn't like Vanderbilt just came out in the second half and, you know, shut Arkansas out, you know, right away. Now, they did pretty quickly after that 17-minute mark. I'll give them that. But, um you know, I, I'm sure it had an effect on Vanderbilt's emotion. There's no doubt about that. But you still got to go out there and do it. I mean, you can, you know, be an emotional and fired up. People think, well, if you'll just get fired up, all those shots will go in. Sometimes you can get too fired up. Those shots don't go in. And um, But, I, you know, Vanderbilt was at the magic level, as they call it, in the second half. And once they hit their stride, Arkansas couldn't stop them. So in the second half in conference play, Arkansas has not fared well with the exception of the Missouri win. Do you get a sense that this team gets tight when the score gets tight in the second half and they lock up on occasion? Mm-mm. I don't. I well, don't. here's 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 what I saw Saturday, and here's what I've seen a little bit before on 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 the road. Um, you know, you got I'm not going to call them grownups, but you got guys who've been around the block a little bit more than our guys have been. And I think that there is a, uh, uh, there's a mental toughness. Uh, there's a poise that's required if you're going to win on the road. Um, there's a competitive level that you have to display on the road that you might not always have to display at home. You know, I don't know how else to put that. I mean, it's you against the world on the road, and you better act like it. You better fight like it because nobody's going to help you when you're over there. There's not going to be any crowd helping you. Um, and, and I think that the fact that, They've just not been through this before. These are all, I say all, a lot of these kids, um, you know, they're accustomed to winning, and that's good, but a lot of them have played on teams that were better than everybody else. And um, so I think sometimes players who've played in really good, successful programs get into the college situation, and they go on the road, and, you know, they're playing guys that are two years older than they are, and they don't always react real well. And I think we've seen that with this team. Good players, outstanding players. 
but guys who really don't understand on the road what's required. And it's a hard lesson. I don't care how good a player you are. You get on the road, things start snowballing against you. There's nobody there to help you. Um, If you're not a fighter, you're going to get blown away. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic, just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Chuck, I listened to you and Z discussing the technical fouls. What was your vantage point when all that went down? Uh, It was to our left. We were uh, not too far away from the baseline there. Well, you made a good point that I hadn't thought about when with Eric Musselman. They're on the other end. This is not a normal court in Memorial Gymnasium, for those who don't know. The baselines are where the coaches and players sit. So when Eric Musselman got asked about this whole situation – Here's what he had to say. Really don't have a take. I mean, we missed a couple free throws and made four, but that's, to me, irrelevant in the outcome of the game. And again, he's he's all the way down at the other end, so it's hard for him to see 100% what all went down there, Chuck. Yeah, I mean, that's a uh, it's a weird configuration there. And, you know, you think about if you were watching on television, for example, I mean, you had copious replays. I mean, replay after replay, I'm sure. And, you know, everybody had an opportunity to see exactly what happened over and over and over again. And, you know, when you're 94 feet away and, you know, everybody's backs to you, I mean, you don't really, you know, you don't have that great vantage point. You think about it. I mean, not just this coaching staff, but any coaching staff. When you have something like that that happens at the other end of the floor, I mean, you don't see the replay. I mean, you may not have seen the replay by the time you get home. I mean, you may not see it until you get home. So, um, yeah, I, you know, uh, I'm I, I'm sure from his vantage point, you know, without all the camera angles that we got, it looked a lot different. Yeah, I mean, and that's one thing I guess they'll unwind. He he got the explanation. The first deal with Kamani, he leaves kind of with a smile for whatever reason. The second one, Jerry Stackhouse leaves with with a technical foul of his own. And honestly, at that point in the game, I'd have bet a good amount of money that Stackhouse wouldn't have seen the end of the ball game. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of uh, touch and go with him there. And I guess Stackhouse has been shown the door a time or two as well. Um, I like the way he coaches his team. Uh, I didn't know what to think about him, quite frankly, as a college basketball coach. But I think he handles his team really well. Um, Whatever he said at halftime, (laughs) he needs to bottle it up because it it, it certainly worked. Um, 
I like the way he brings some of those good players off the bench. I think he does a good job. But, yeah, I mean, at that point, I would have thought maybe uh, maybe he'd get thrown out before the day's over. You mentioned the halftime conversation. I know Eric Musselman got asked about, hey, is there anything that he did that adjusted? Do you notice anything that – Stackhouse did in the second half that really changed the outcome of the game. Chuck? Oh, this I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is about adjustments. I think it's about Vanderbilt came out, took the fight to Arkansas, and Arkansas didn't fight back. Yeah, they were mad. Just, 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 just to be real blunt about it, I, I thought Liam Robbins came in and set a tone with his physicality early in the second half that was not matched the rest of the day by anybody. I thought it was contagious for their team. Uh, and I said this in the last hour. He was obviously, with two fouls in the first half, having to sit on the bench and watch all that stuff go down, I mean, he was gnawing at the bit to get in that game. But he came in the game and he, you know, he channeled his emotion the right way. I mean, he channeled his emotion and his anger to, to find that magic level. And I just thought his whole team fed off of him. And Arkansas didn't, you know, they, they just – you know, they didn't they didn't match that. We've got a handful of texts this morning asking who's gonna step up as a leader and try and right the ship. And I know the first people would probably point to is Kamani and Devo. I mean, are, are any of the transfers have they done enough where they can be looked upon as I mean, is Ricky done enough as kind of the one of the older guys, A B as a freshman? Can, whose job is it to right the ship outside of Eric Musselman right now, Chuck? Well, somebody's got to take the bull by the horns. You know, to sit here and say, well, this guy's got to do it or that guy's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Um, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be anybody. But, um, you know, if this thing's going to get righted, there's there's got to be some internal leadership. Now, look, here's the thing. We, we can talk about leadership. We can talk about all this stuff till we're blue in the face. Um, sometimes you're just outmanned. And right now with Arkansas – playing without the guys they're playing without, it's going to be tough. And the recipe for winning on the road is not what we saw in the second half. you got to be gritty. you got to just, I mean, you got to guard them like you've never guarded before in your life. you got to get every rebound. Your margin for error is very slim. And, um, you know, Vanderbilt got rolling Saturday in the second half, and Arkansas just didn't, you know, they didn't have any answer at all. I would think the model would be, seeing what Kentucky did to Tennessee. Well, yeah, I, I mean, that's what we were saying last yeah. hour. That's the, uh, I mean, that's the model. But it didn't feel like, hey, you just got out-talented on Saturday. It didn't feel like Vanderbilt just rolled out, you know, seven better players that were just better, you know, that markedly better than what Arkansas has available. It just felt like they played harder. And maybe, maybe that is the definition of a better player in some degree, but you didn't feel like you got out-athleted on Saturday. Well, you know, poise is a is an all-encompassing term. Yeah. And a lot of times we think about poise in terms of you got to keep your cool. You know, when the other guys are doing stuff, you got to keep your cool. And I get that. But, you know, poise has a lot to do with the way you play, um, the way you uh, process things mentally out there, uh, the way you remember the game plan not to let Tyron Lawrence go left. Um, there, there, there are lots of things that, you know, play into that term poise. And I just thought Arkansas's youth and immaturity and lack of poise, um, that all reared its head in the second half. And, um, you know, that's what happens when you're on the road and they were playing guys that were you know, a little more experienced than they were. Liam Robbins been around the block a time or two. Studi's been around the block a time or two. Um, you know, these are guys that know how to play. 
And, you know, Arkansas just um, – I just felt like in the second half they didn't compete as well as they should have or could have. The whole idea when you stand over someone, and anyone that plays basketball know this, on an and one or you dunk on them or whatever. And I know, Chuck, you used to dunk on a lot of people in high school, but it's the manhood thing. It's like I'm taking your manhood away or I'm using my ha- manhood over you and stuff. Everyone knows that's played the game. And so they did that in the first half, and Arkansas really took it to them. But you got to remember it's a, it's a two-half game. It's not four quarters. It's men's college basketball. And I just think at times this team – they, whether it's a, a call that goes against them or the, the the chirping that we've talked about, that becomes more of the priority than the game plan that you've mentioned. And I I, I, I know. I don't know about that. I mean, I I hear what you're saying, and it might seem that way, but I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I want to go back to something I said. I mean, are we going to see the, a change in this team with how they play in terms of just the talking? Because I don't know if we ever answer that now or two, or is that just going to be the how it is? The I rest just think of the that's way? who they are. Okay. I, I don't think you're going to see this noticeable change that all of a sudden they just they're quiet after a good play. They don't they don't show the emotion that we've become used to. I I just think that's that's who this well, team is. I I will go back to you know there were some games early this year. I forget who got the 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 monster slam was Brazil, I guess, in a game and. Kamani got a T right away, you know, in the aftermath when he, you know, however they pat their head or whatever mm-hmm. it is they do. And I can remember Musk saying, it's a great play, but let's make sure we don't give up two points by getting a T right away. So it's not like these guys aren't told not to do that. And I'll go back again to two points. One, that it happened at the other end of the floor from our bench. And two, that if you teed up black right away, some of this yeah. might not have happened. And it is a, I mean, when you're, there's a difference between taunting and celebrating. It's one thing to celebrate with your teammates a great play. It's another thing to demonstrate or taunt towards the opponent's bench or towards the opponent directly. That's, that's clearly what Black did by standing over the opponent. And that's a point of emphasis that you're not going to be allowed to do. And I think that it will become more of a focus in the pregame discussions as, as crews work Arkansas's games moving yeah, forward. Yeah, in a road situation like that, you never get the benefit of technical fouls. You got there. There is no way that Arkansas should not no. have been assessed at least one during that sequence, and you got every single outcome that you wanted out of that, and still found a way to blow it in the second half. You say on the road. I think I think fans get carried away with this idea that the the hometown refs are going to call it one way or the other the, the schools don't hire the refs or they're sent by the league office as we all know at this at this point so i don't think home versus road really matters to the guys with with whistles around their neck but um generally it's just your shot doesn't go in the environment's against you there's a lot of things that that are edged against you and you know the the idea that that you could come out of that that scenario with 743 or what it was on the clock and you're going to shoot seven free throws chuck that's unheard of well, yeah, I mean, that doesn't happen very often. First time I'd ever seen anything like that. But here's the thing. I mean, they still played, what, 27 more minutes after mm-hmm. that? So, I mean, you know, being mad about something, being mad about the fact you've got hosed some, uh, that'll carry you a little while. You know, I'll give you a good four, eight-minute run. But if you're playing a good team at some point, they'll put a stop to all that. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when people say that that's the reason Arkansas lost, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it had something to do with the way Vanderbilt played. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. But mm-hmm. Arkansas had plenty of chances to stop that run. 
they just, uh, you know, they just didn't answer the fight. Um, just ran out of players too. I mean, Arkansas didn't have anyone off the bench do anything. I mean, bench points forty to six. 40 to 6. I mean, that's, that's a huge uh, differential. Well, and that just shows but it's you also a difference. To. Well, some of that's difference in coaching style. We talked about how Stackhouse, I mean, they bring their three leading scorers off the bench. Um, so so, so they're, they're always going to dominate in bench scoring. Even even when they lose by 13, they generally dominate in bench scoring. It's not the 40, it's the 6. Uh, I'm not worried about the fact that they won the bench scoring because that doesn't always tell the stories, the fact that you had nobody come in past your five and do anything of note, yeah. and all six of those uh, were, were scored by Pinion. So. And that's well, 37. And, and, it's, it's pretty much been that way. You know, it's pretty much been that way if you look at it, except when Council, you know, came off the bench the other night. Graham had the big game. A lot of times, particularly on the road, that's, that's sort of how it's been. You basically went 37 38 minutes without a single bench points because Pinion's mm-hmm. and one in his three-point attempt, I think, came within the final two or three minutes of that. And but that's not, not that, why they lost. Yeah. That's not why they lost. But but it plays a plays a part into it. When you bring, it speaks to the depth yeah, or the lack of depth. When you bring guys off the bench, you need a spark offensively in some cases. Well, and Arkansas hasn't had that to this point. They're one of the worst. I, I don't I, – I don't, I, I just don't agree with that. I th- I think that you know we've 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 won ball games with guys playing forty minutes before, uh, and with the uh, with the bench not providing all that many points. Um, I I don't I don't think that was the issue Saturday. I think they could have won it with six bench points. Um, I think it had a lot more to do with um, just not answering the bell when Vanderbilt went on the run. I, I don't think it was fatigue. I don't think it was lack of depth. I just think it was. They didn't put up enough of a fight. I know the fan base at some points is is waiting to hold out for Nick Smith and hoping he comes back and this, that. How do you approach that as a player when, again, you're playing the worst basketball of the season right now because it's stiff for competition. You're still waiting on potentially one of your teammates coming back. Like, How do you think this team is, has done with that in the last few games and then in the future games? Leading up to February. Well, you'd have to ask them that. I mean, I don't know what they think about. You know, is Nick going to come back and save us? I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know if they think that or not. Do you think Saturday was one off offensively? Vander's one of the worst teams in the SEC defending on, in really any category. Was that a one off, or are we going to well, see? Is that something positive we could take into Wednesday night you, against Missouri? You score eighty four and you lose. So, I mean, was it a one-off defensively, too? I mean, you're going to have to do – I mean, you can say it was a one-off, but I would have bet a lot of money. I'd I'd be sitting here uh, with a a much lighter wallet if you'd have told me 84 points is what Arkansas will score. I'd have bet anything Arkansas was going to win a game that scored 84 points in on the road. Well, it's not a normal 84, though. I I mean, uh, um, it's not very often in the first half you get seven free throws. And it's not very often in the second half that you get into the kind of freewheeling ball game that allows the opponent to score 63. So um, I think the 84 was a little misleading. We sound like a broken record when it comes to talking about free throws, but we have to keep saying it. Tommy, what are they, what are they finishing in? 60 what percent from the line? 62. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I don't know how many times I have to say this on air. You guys got to get in the gym. Like, it's one thing to fix three-point shooting and just shooting overall. But the, if their whole identity as an offense is getting to the rim, getting you're going to get to the line, you're going to get fouled. You have to execute the second half of that, and there's it's the same broken that must that must irritate must to no end that they still are not in their free throws this year. They That's, did make seventy percent in the second half at the free throw line. So I mean, but 
I, I hear what you're saying, and you're right. And that's something that feels like it's within your control. And you may not be able to get in the gym and become better three-point shooters or mid-range jumper shooters. But it does feel like any basketball player could go and just shoot more reps, muscle memory. and I, So I hear what you're saying, and you're right. But free throws are not why they lost the ball game. They got to play better defense. Pure and simple. Yeah, they got to play better defense. So, you know, we can talk about offense till we're blue in the face, but um, you know, ninety-seven you gotta, points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you give up ninety-seven points. That's that. That's your focus going back to the practice floor. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Fieldhouse Martin, we talk a lot about NIL, Chuck, and absolutely and, and players. That you know, there's a lot of businesses out there that'd like to to maybe figure out how to to get their business into the NIL game. Well, if you're ready to take your business into the NIL game, uh, as I know a lot of businesses are, let me talk to you about Fieldhouse Marketing. They're your Northwest Arkansas NIL authority. They'll help you get started. They work with athletes to connect them with opportunities that maximize their own potential, benefit our local economy. Things like live appearances, social media promotions, commercial production, community engagement. they got all kinds of opportunities. Now call 202 202- 5031. If you want to find out more about this, 202-5031. Visit fhsportsmarketing.com to get connected to the field house. Chuck, tonight, back with Eric Musselman Live, and you mentioned this a little earlier. It is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and uh, a lot of people have the day off, um, and I know that that will be even a bigger crowd tonight. Just kind of, what a, when we talk about this day overall, what, what comes to mind on this? Well, for me, it's the I have a dream speech. You got anything you want well, to I mean, <laughs> You asked Chuck. You didn't ask me. Uh, I remember being in the eighth grade, and that was part of, of what we learned. It was in English class. We had to recite and memorize that on this day. I mean, it was and you got graded on it. And uh, you know, it's always stuck with me. And um, it, it's hard to put in perspective what this day means to so many that that it it changed the way their life and and their families uh, operate. It's hard to put it in perspective to me because I'm you know I'm not a I'm not a minority. I'm not in that category. I don't have the perspective and the viewpoint on life that they do. But I've you know we now live in a world where for a long time you, you grow up and you have the friends that that have those stories and have those experiences and their family's been through that and it's just it's um it's someone that changed changed the world. I mean Martin Luther King Jr. changed the world. You know, the I Have a Dream speech, um, if you go back and you, you know, you, you read about it and you study it, 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 really, it really did not become a great speech until he tossed the script aside, as is so often the case with great speeches. Um, if you go back and you watch the speech and you go back and you, uh, and you listen to the words and you listen to the historians, um, it was really when he put the script aside that... Yeah it kicked into high gear, so to speak. And he spoke from the heart. And, and obviously, as you say, I mean, um, he changed the world. Yeah. Have, have either one of y'all been to the Civil Rights Museum in Memphis? That's at the Rainbow. I have. That, I have. I, that is a, incredible. If you're, when you're in Memphis next, take a few hours out and do that. And the, Chuck, the way that wind, you wind through and you learn a lot about the history and it goes back to the, to the slave days, but you end up in the motel room there in Lorraine, the Lorraine Motel, it is a, uh, it's a really neat um, museum. And the way that, the way it ends there in the motel room is, is, is just, uh, it leaves an impression on you. It's very powerful, no doubt about it. And uh, it's hard not to, uh, you know, when you, you know, we hear about things, we hear about a lot of these, these big occurrences in our world. And, 
in our country, and sometimes until you're actually there, you don't get a full sense of what it's like. The Civil Rights Museum in Memphis and ending up at the Lorraine Hotel was, um, you know, certainly something something that kind of brought it home. I remember going to Oklahoma City uh, and being at the site of the bombing there at the Federal Building, and man, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when you uh, uh, when you're there, you can feel it, and I I, I felt the same thing at the Civil Rights Museum, even though, as you say, I, I don't feel it in the way some do. But um, it's undenying, that, or, or it's undeniable that, you know, I think that's an experience that a lot of people need to, you know, you need to go, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.